You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Iran, or Persia, in Bible prophecy. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feeder, podcast by ChristadelphianVideo.org. A biblical look at the nation of Iran, past, present and future, including a summary of the religious groups that dwell in Iran. Well, I must say from the outset, this video is more suitable for those of a more advanced stage in Bible study. This video is a very in-depth Bible study and may not be suitable for everybody. Um, probably not best for somebody unfamiliar with the Bible as the speaker assumes knowledge of the background of certain Bible passages such as Ezekiel 38, Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. But proceed at your pleasure. Until next time, God bless. The nation of Iran, to put it that way, is probably one of the second tier nations as far as prophecies are concerned, not one that we look at very often. But when we look today around the world, we see that it's a country that is constantly in the news, and I'd say not for good reasons. It's trying to move towards nuclear capabilities. It regularly shocks some in the world when it calls out its anti-Semitic rhetoric and threatens to wipe Israel off the map of the earth and eliminate the Jews from the face of the earth. But little does the ruler of Iran know that the Bible speaks of a day when that won't happen. It speaks of a day when Iran will be a Hebrew-speaking nation and it will desire to worship the King of the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will rule the world from Jerusalem. Little does he know the disaster that he is leading his nation into, and I suggest little does he care. But before we start and look at this, we need to understand who is in control of the situation that is occurring in the world as we see it around us today. And to see this, I want to look back at Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. 21. And verse 20 Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the time and the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and light dwelleth with him. And you see, what we're being told here is that God is in control and his angels are those that direct the events that occur in the nations. You see, God knows how men will react to things that are put in front of them. He knew how Vladimir Putin was going to react to events in Ukraine and what happened then and the events we see happening now. But because God knows that, he is able to record it well ahead of it happening, and to put it there so that those who are prepared to look and to investigate scriptures can have their faith increased in the things of the Bible and understand 
that God is in fact in control and that God does know the end from the beginning. And as I said, Turkey is not Turkey, Iran is in the news regularly. Their nuclear industry moving towards, it would seem, the nuclear bomb, though we don't know what will happen. Two very close friends over there. And if I'm correct, you know Mr Putin. The other one is known as the butcher of Tehran. He's the current, if I've got the photo correct, he's the current president or prime minister of Iran and he's known as the butcher of Tehran because of the way he treated people in the Iranian revolution many years ago. You see, Iran as a nation has existed for many years. They have a very long and interesting history. However, it's a nation that's going to be taught who God is and that the Jews are God's chosen people and Israel is God's land. All things that that nation at the moment is ignorant of and chooses to challenge. Iran is one of the many nations in scripture that is subject of Bible prophecy. But so, as I say, many other nations, Syria, Israel, Egypt, Rome, Turkey, Russia, Britain, and the list could go on. Some, like the nation of Israel, have a glorious future. Others, not so glorious. And we have in Micah chapter 4, verse 1 to 2, we're told, but in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted unto the, above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That ultimately is what this world can look forward to, and that ultimately is what nations like Iran and like the rest of the nations in this world have to understand. All nations, we're told, will come to Jerusalem, to the house of God, the God of Jacob, where they will be taught the ways of Almighty God. And Iran, I hope to show, is included in those nations. And as a result, it's a nation that has a lot to learn, as do all other nations of this world. In this day, Jerusalem will be elevated above all other cities, all other nations, and it will be a city that all people will go to, to worship the God of Jacob, Israel's God. But we find in Scripture also other nations, like Rome, will disappear forever off the face of the earth. They won't have the same glorious, I guess, future as Israel will ultimately have. And they'll never rise again. But what are the nation of Rome? As we know it today, and as far as Bible prophecy is concerned. To understand who Iran is and how it fits in Bible prophecy, we need to examine some of the history of that nation, especially in relation to its name and how it's changed. I'm sure we all know where Iran is. Next to Iraq, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and so forth. It's a country of about 1.6 million square kilometres. 
And by comparison, Western Australia is about 2.5. So it's about three quarters the size of WA. And it's bordered to the north by the Caspian Sea. And those other nations there that have been part or gobbled up by Mr Putin in recent times. To the west there's Turkey and Iraq. To the south, the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman. And to the east, Pakistan and Afghanistan. Over time, the Elamites and the Kassites became dominant in the area. And these nations would ultimately become known as Persia. These were followed by the Iranians from whom the present nation today claims its origin. Okay, Elamites and Kassites probably don't mean much to us, but back in history, that's where they came from. Persian power in, the reg in, in this region was established by their first king in about 700 BC. And in their victory edicts, they boasted that they were Persians, sons of Persians, Aryans of Aryan stock. And today that nation is called Iran as the same, and it's the same as Persia or back in history, Elam. And this is in accord with scriptures where Persia is shown to be Elam, as we see. We find in Esther 1, verse 1 to 3, that Ahasuerus, the king of Persia, was in Shushan the palace. In Daniel 8 and verse 2, we find that Shushan the palace was in the province of Elam. And in Isaiah 21 verse 2, we find there was a prophecy against Babylon where Elam and Media, or the Medes and the Persians, as they ultimately became known, that, that uh, nation became known as, would seize, would, have, would seize siege Babylon. And history recounts that Persians and Medes overtook Babylon. So you can see from Scripture the way we have Persia, Elam, as being the same place. If we have a look in a, a dictionary, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, we find that Iran was formerly called Persia. The Wycliffe Historical Geography of Bible Land said Persia is the anglicised form of Parsis or Pars, the section of Iran adjacent to the Persian Gulf. Native Persians have always used the term Iran to designate their um, indefinity-bounded country. And this has been the official name since 1935. The, the, the modern-day Iran is derived from the ancient Ariana, meaning the country of the Aryans. And so the dictionary and um, the historical geography of the Bible give us the similar location and meaning of those names. So what we can say is that biblical Iran is the same as Persia and is also Elam. So from the Bible and history, we can see that Iran, Persia and Elam refer to the same nation, an area of land that we're considering this evening in the light of Bible prophecy. The word we find is from a word, the word Iran is for it we find from a word Arania and denotes the Aryan origins of the native people of the land 
And while the word Iran has the idea of the Aryans, they were, as they said, Aryans of Aryan stock, Persians, son of Persia, and that's the way they describe themselves. The word Aryan signifies noble and is a term that we would most likely associate with Hitler, which used of the Germans to signify the highest form of humanity. And that's where we would have most likely heard that word before. And ultimately, these people are descendants of Japheth, one of the sons of Noah. And as a result, although most of the nation today are Muslim, they would be insulted if you called them Arabs, because Arabs are of Semitic origin. Persians are Iranians, an Aryan race related to European stock. And this explains some of the fighting we see today amongst the Muslim nations, where Iran is opposed to the so-called more moderate Muslims that are in Saudi Arabia. And this no doubt accounts for the fighting that we see today in Yemen, where there's 65% Sunnis and 35% Shiites, while Iran has 90% Shiites. So you'll hear the Shiite and the Sunni amongst the Muslims. The Sunni are typically associated with Saudi Arabia and their allies and others there, whereas the um, Shiites think of them as Iran. And we find that Saudi Arabia is about 90% Sunni. And if we go back in history, we find that close to the territory of ancient Persia, there was another warlike and belligerent people. And these were the Medes. These attacked the Ninevites or hired the dreaded Scythians to help them defeat the Medes. And Media came under Scythian control for a short period of time until the Scythian-Ninevite alliance collapsed and the Medes took the opportunity to throw off the Scythian yoke and made an alliance with Babylon. And consequently, as a result of that, Nineveh fell never to rise again. And out of that, there was an alliance formed between the Medes and the Persians under the leader of Cyrus, and that alliance moved against Babylon and overthrew it, as was predicted in Scripture. And if you turn to Isaiah chapter 13, verses 17 to 20, we see this. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 17 to 20. And we read, Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of their womb. Their eyes shall not spare children, and Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pinch the, pitch their tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. And as history tells us, Babylon was overthrown by the Medes and ultimately the prophecy as detailed came to pass. And Babylon today is not inhabited as the prophecy predicted. And I believe the Arabian still will not pitch his tent there. 
The rulership of the alliance between the Medes and the Persians changed from that of the Medes to the Persians who became the dominant power. And long after the Persians became a great world power, Jeremiah foretold of the decline of the Persians as a nation. Not only did he foretell their fall as a nation, but also the fact that they would once again become an, or rise again as a nation. Jeremiah 49, verse 35 to 39, if you'll turn there, please. Jeremiah 49, verse 35. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam. Elam, the same name as Iran or Persia, the chief of their might. And upon Elam will I bring the four winds from the four corners of heaven and will scatter them toward all those winds. And there shall be no nation whither the outcasts of Elam shall not come. For I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies and before them that seek their life. And I will bring evil upon them, even my fierce anger, saith the Lord. And I will send a sword after them till I have consumed them. And I will set my throne in Elam and will destroy from thence the king and the princes, saith the Lord. But it shall come to pass in the latter days that I will bring again the captivity of Elam, saith the Lord. So we have here in history words that were directed against Elam. The Elamites occupied the territory bordered by Persia, the Persian Gulf, and their capital was Shushan. They were absorbed by the Persians, and in the time of Esther, as we saw, Shushan was the capital of the Persian Empire. While Persia was overthrown, Jeremiah 39 indicates it will once again become a nation, as we've seen today in the latter days. Elam or Persia would once again become a nation. And we had in Jeremiah 49 that it would be destroyed by the four winds from the four quarters of the earth. And we find that Alexander the Great came against that nation and he destroyed it. And he sent them into captivity. But as the NASB version says, I, but it will come about in the last days that I will restore the fortunes of Elam, declares the Lord. So the fact that we see a nation of Iran Today in the world is a fulfilment of that prophecy. Just as an aside, I mentioned before the Shiite and the Sunni, two sects of Islam that you often hear about today. We hear in the news of the Sunni or the Shiite Muslim nations. Where does this come from and how do they fit? Well, as I said before, the Iranians or Persians typically embrace the Shiite sect of Islam, whereas the Arabs generally cling to the Sunni sect of Islam, often, as we know, with explosive results when they go head to head. And we often hear of attacks by one sect on another, as we had in Iraq during the, after the uh, Iraq war, in Pakistan, Afghanistan, in Yemen, in Saudi Arabia. And you can see in this, Iran's link with the Arab world is in religion only, not in race. They're not Arabs. Islam, we find, teaches that each prophet is followed by another, 
whose teaching supersedes the one of the prophet before. And hence they believe that Christ replaced Abraham and Muhammad replaced Christ. And the difference between the Sunni and the Shiite sects of Islam is summarised as best I could find here. So it says the Islam religion was founded by Muhammad in the 7th century. In 622, he founded the first Islamic state, a theocracy in Medina, a city in western Saudi Arabia, and that will be why that's one of their great cities, located north of Mecca. There were two branches of the religion he founded. The Sunni branch believes that the first four caliphs, Muhammad's successors, rightfully took his place as the leader of the Muslims. They recognise the heirs of the four caliphs are, religious, are legitimate religious leaders. These heirs ruled continuously in the Arab world until the breakup of the Ottoman Empire following the First World War. Shiites, which is the Iranian side of it typically, in contrast believe that the, only the heirs of the fourth caliph, Ali, are the legitimate successors of Muhammad. In 931, the 12th Iman disappeared. This was a seminal event in the history of Shiite Muslims. And according to R. Scott Appleby, a professor of history at the University of Notre Dame, Shiite Muslims who are concentrated in Iran, Iraq and Lebanon believe they had suffered a loss of divinely guided political leadership at the time of the Iman's dis disappearance. Not until the ascendancy of Ayatollah Khomeini in 1978 did they believe they had once again begun to live under the authority of a legitimate religious figure. So basically what it's saying is more than two branches, but you have the Sunnis and the Shiites. The Sunnis are typically the Arabs, as I understand it. The Shiites are concentrated in, um, where was it, Iran, Iraq and Lebanon. The Sunni side lost their um, imams until Ayatollah Khomeini came on the scene in 1978. So I do that. I've, I've given that so that you can see where there is a difference between the two sides of the Muslim religion there. Iran, we find, was not always Islam. And it was forced on them in AD 651 when the Arabs conquered Persia and demanded that the people accept Islam. Those who did stayed and the remainder were expelled and moved to India where their former religion, I believe, still exists today. The people in the area of Iran have never been strangers to war and waging wars. The ancestors of the modern nation were referred to in Genesis 14, way back at the beginning of Scripture, where they came against the land of Canaan as it was then when Abraham was there. And we read in, there's a picture of Muhammad, and we read in Genesis 14, verse 1 to 2, that it came to pass in the days of Anraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elissa, and Ketelaona, king of Elam, and title king of nations that these made war, and so forth. So way back in the start of Scripture, in Genesis 14, we have Ketaloma, um, king of Elam, of that region, who came and made war. And we find, if we read on in the record there, 
that Abraham went out against those people and laid them waste, getting again his nephew Lot and bringing them back. If you turn over a few pages, I think you're in Jeremiah still, to Jeremiah 50 and verse 42. We find that scripture describes them as being a cruel people and without mercy. In Jeremiah 50 verse 42 we read, They shall hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea. And they shall ride upon horses, every one in array, like a man in battle against thee, O daughter of Babylon. And we know in history that the Medes and the Persians were the nation that overthrew Babylon. And here they're described as being a cruel people without mercy. And nothing much has changed if you look at what goes on in that nation today and the way they treat their people and their neighbours. The way they teach, treat demonstrators in their own nation and have clamped down on that throughout the years. And this man here, as I mentioned before, was responsible for a lot of it and he's now their president. In Daniel 7 verse 5, the Persian Empire is described as a bear about to devour much flesh, a nation that was prepared to devour for what it wanted. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and beheld another beast, a second like unto a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said, Thus unto it, Arise, and devour much flesh. So the Persian Empire is spoken of here. And at this time it controlled a large area of land. And in basic terms it controlled the area from India to the Mediterranean Sea. You might be able to see the outline of it there. And we find that Persia or Iran is one of the nations listed as being involved in a future battle of Armageddon yet to come. That nation who will oppose Israel and invade the land of Israel. And if you'll turn over to Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 5, we find that nation recorded there, where we're told that Persia, Ethiopia and Libya will be with them, all of them with shield and helmet. And we'll come back to this point later. However, suffice to say that the list of nations here makes up a portion of those listed in Ezekiel 38 as being involved in the Battle of Armageddon. But back in Daniel 2, if we, we had read, which we had read for us this evening, we have a record of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon which was a prophecy of the political developments of the nations in the earth in the latter days. It shows how the so-called great empires of the past will, at the time when it stands on its feet, as, it was, as, as Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, will be confederate together. And this isn't confirmed by the outlining of the progression of history from the time of Daniel onward. The dream showed how in the last days the image would be united together in one dominion 
as was shown with it standing on its feet. And we have the overview of this here, and I'm not going to go through it in detail. But we had Babylon, the, 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 um, the empire of Babylon, followed by the Medes and Persians, then the Greeks, the Rome, Romans, and finally a divided Europe. And then we had a little stone cut out of a mountain that was smited on its feet. And Daniel 2, verse 28, tells us when it will occur in the latter days. In the latter days, which we believe is the days we live in today. And we told in Daniel 2, verse 35, that this image was broken in pieces together. So it's an image that has to stand together. Those areas there have to come together into one. And Iran, or Persia, is part of that. Iran or Persia will be one of those nations that is broken in pieces together by a stone that is cut out of the mountain without hand. And back in Ezekiel 38, we have those nations there told to us. And without going there and reading it all, we basically have them divided into two parts. Those who will invade and those who will give a token resistance. And the chief of this confederacy in Ezekiel 38 is told, spoken of as being Gog of the land of Magog, who all these other nations come under. Our subject tonight is Iran. And what we're simply going to say is that Iran will be with these nations, but it will be headed by Russia. They will be subservient in one way or another to them. We see also that there's Persia, Ethiopia and Libya listed here, nations we know, and Europe. And suffice to say, as I've said, that Persia or Iran will be part of this group of nations. It will be one of the nations with Russia who will invade the land of Israel and will be involved in the Battle of Armageddon. It will be one of the nations that's overthrown by the Lord Jesus Christ, that little stone that is cut out of the mountain without hands. And the fact that this confederacy is still in the future is evident because none of the great empires that are spoken of control all that land. <clears throat> none of them have controlled all the land that all four of those empires um, conquered. We had the Babylonians, the Greek, uh, the Medes and the Persians, the breasts and arms of silver, the belly and thighs and brass, the, the, um, the Greeks, and then we had the Roman Empire. And what we find is that none have brought all that empire together. But what Bible prophecy shows and what Daniel chapter 2 shows is that that will occur when they will all be aligned under the dominion of Russia who will rule over those nations with an iron fist. Submit, they will say, or else. And in one way or another, as I say, they will be aligned. Today we can see these nations coming together and Iran is using its influence to speed this up. Prior to uh, 1978, I think it was, in 1979, when the current 
rulers or the current order of rulers came to power in Iran, it was a very pro-Western country. In the 1960s, the Shah of Iran was pro-Western. He was endeavouring to westernise the country and by all accounts was doing a very good job of it until 1978 or 1979 came when the revolution arose and this man here came back on the scene or came on the scene. And he overturned the reforms of the Shah and turned the nation from a pro-Western one to what we'd have today, which is firmly with Russia and anti-West. We know that Russia supplies Iran with arms and is building its, helping it build its nuclear capability. It's supporting Iran's progress towards those nuclear weapons, even if not material, it will oppose any action against it in places like the United Nations. And there's also reports of Russia over the years having sent Iran their S-400 anti-missile system, which some say is the best rocket missile system there is to stand up to the West. And pre-1979, that would never have happened. But overnight, events happened that saw Iran aligned with what the Bible said would occur. The men in that country saw fit to turn things upside down. And those who understood the Bible looked and said, yes, it is what we expect. If we turn over to Ezekiel chapter 38, we can see in verse 13, we see the nations that will oppose that invasion. And in verse 13, we read the Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. And suffice to say that Sheba and Dedan are very interesting as far as Iran and Bible prophecy is concerned. So we have Iran or Persia up there in the north and Sheba and Dedan down there in the south in the area of Saudi Arabia and Yemen. And if you know what's going on in Yemen at the moment, you'll know that there's, I think it's really a civil war that's happening. And the ones that are really pushing that are Saudi Arabia and Iran. Iran is backing one side and Saudi Arabia is backing the other side. And what you find is it's really going nowhere as far as Iran is concerned. And if you understand scripture, the outcome needs to be that Sheba and Dedan will be along. Yemen and Saudi Arabia and those areas there need to be aligned. So while Iran is backing, I think it's the Houthis in uh, Yemen, that fighting can go on for as long as they like. But the Bible has said the ultimate outcome will be that they are not aligned with Iran. And so when we see what is going on in that place at the moment, we can understand a little bit of why it hasn't been all plain sailing for Iran there. While man might have an end in sight, it is God who rules in the kingdoms of men and directs what the ultimate outcome will be in these events. 
the influence of Iran over the old empire. They are trying to build it. And it will be built. They influence Syria. We know that because they send arms in there all the time and the Israelis go and blow them up. And then they try again. They influence Lebanon. I understand the government that has just been voted in there is very pro-Iran. Obviously Iraq, which is just over the border. And to a lesser extent, Turkey and Egypt. And it continues to push its interest to grow in these places. We've seen a change in government in Libya and failed attempts in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain in the last 10 or 15 years. And in each case, Iran has been one of the nations who was endeavouring to increase their influence. Iran's extremely anti-Semitic. But Iran has not stopped trying to influence the nations that are around us. She's tried to influence the people in Yemen, as I've mentioned, and Saudi Arabia and Bahrain to change their governments, but with little success there, or no success really. Why? Well, it's what we, what we have here in Sheba and Dedan. It's that aligning of the nations, as the Bible has told us. Those nations around the area of Saudi Arabia and Yemen, Sheba and Dedan, Bahrain, I would suggest, and Yemen, who today is resting, is, is resisting this with the help of Saudi Arabia. And with an understanding of Bible prophecy, we can understand why it is going this way. You know, if you have a look at Bahrain, there it is. And over the other side there is um, these ones here. Saudi Arabia. There's actually a bridge that goes over between the two. That's how close it is. And if I understand correctly, um, probably about 10 years ago, the Iranians tried to have a coup in Bahrain. And the Saudis pushed them out. And at the time, it, it seemed that Bahrain almost said, well, we'll become a part of Saudi Arabia. And while, directly not, while not directly about Iran, it allows us to see why Iran, Iran has been unable to succeed in bringing its form of democracy to these countries. As we said, Iran is anti-Semitic, which is no doubt a prerequisite for those nations in Ezekiel 38 who will come against Israel. And the president of Iran is very much capable of um, making that rhetoric known. And these nations, as of confederacy, of which Iran will be part, will come against Israel. However, they'll be they will be broken and totally destroyed as military powers, as we see in Scripture. In Daniel chapter 2, which we read, in verse 43 to 45. Daniel 2, verse 43 to 45. <clears throat> We find that whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron and clay is not mixed. And in verse 44, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone that was cut out of the mountains without hands, 
and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Those nations will stand together, but they will be broken without hand. And it will be God who will fight against those nations at that time. You see, God has said to this, the people on this earth, you have your time and eventually God will say, enough. And he will intervene to establish his kingdom on the earth. In Daniel chapter 7, the nations are described in a different way. In Daniel chapter 7, we have them described as beasts. And I'm not going to go through it in detail, but we had the Babylonian Assyrian Empire as a lion with wings, the Medo-Persian Empire as a bear with ribs in its mouth. We had the Greek as a lion and the Roman Empire as a beast. So the Persian Empire was described as being a bear with three ribs in its mouth. And when we looked at it before, we saw that they were told it was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. The fourth beast in this vision, and there's four that are there, controlled all dominions until the beast was destroyed, as we read, as, as you could read. And the fourth beast in the vision was slain and given to the burning flame. And the destruction of the fourth beast um, happens in Armageddon. As Daniel was told, Nebuchadnezzar, that the image would be broken together. They were being told that the Persian portions of the empire would be in cohorts and would be broken at this time. They would be broken and the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the, him they would be required to submit. See, what we've been shown in the scripture is that God rules in the kingdoms of men. And while man may desire an outcome, it is God who will ultimately have the say. While the men in Iran may have an end in sight, it is God who will ultimately have his say that his purpose with this earth might be fulfilled. The man Daniel was told of the things that he saw, that the matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Ultimately, God will set over the, this earth that one who men are based who they crucified, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Iran as a nation today, with its aims, will also be one who will ultimately have to accept and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. And at that time they will become a peace-loving, Hebrew-speaking people. There's a time of trouble ahead for this world until that occurs. The question for each of us is, do we want to be part of that kingdom God will establish? Because world events around us are moving fast and ultimately God will intervene in this earth through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And when that occurs, there will be time, no more, to look into the things of Almighty God. What we're saying is you owe it to yourself to look into these things today, to understand the scriptures, to look to that time when God will establish his kingdom on the earth. We urge you to look into this today so that you may be ready when that occurs. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.